I'm Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm at Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Is That Even Legal? Today's guest, Jeff Bell, the CEO of Legal Shield. And we're here today at the beginning of the annual Legal Shield conference. We're really excited about it because this hasn't happened for a few years because of the crisis. But, Jeff, we're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. Appreciate you for having us on. You know, you are considered a thought leader on many areas, including on your podcast, you have a podcast, Justice for All. You do a lot of blogging. You do a lot of national news. I've seen you in Newsweek. I've seen you in Forbes magazine. And, you know, I was a little taken back when I started seeing just the amount of, and the amount of, uh, coverage you're getting and out there in the world. Um, I really like what you're doing and mainly because I think of Legal Shield as something that helps create change because it changes people's lives. Um, but I also think about the law that way too because in the law we change, but we start out with thoughts and we change our society with these thoughts and with these laws. Some of the things you talked about recently, I want you to talk about here if you don't mind. You had an article recently called Liberty Versus Obligation. What were you talking about there? Well, first off, let me just say, Bob, thank you again for flattering me, but you should know it takes a village. And, you know, I simply represent an outstanding team of people that all are advocates for justice, uh, advocates for liberty and equality, even when they sometimes are in opposition to one another, uh, as well as opportunity. And so I, in many ways, I'm just the mouthpiece. Uh, there is a, an entire team really working hard to keep us on the forefront uh, and and. So I, I appreciate the flattery, but again, it's just my honor to serve this company. I, I guess we probably should say that Legal Shield is a service uh, that is taken obviously more seriously than something like Spotify, but it's like Spotify. It is a subscription membership, but rather than listening to music, you're able to talk to a lawyer on an unlimited basis, unlimited issues. And so it is a life-changing opportunity for people, and that's what motivates all of us to, to be advocates. The other point that, that you raise and the question that you're posing, you know, we have really tried in the last year, two years to move from just focusing solely on equal access to equal justice. We used to say, at least I used to say, we're not trying to change the law. We're just trying to give people equal access to the law so that people are treated equally under the law. Yeah, that's huge. We have started to change and, and to point out, though, that there are areas that need attention in our society. And whether you want to say it is a reaffirmation of completing the work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with civil rights, the Civil Rights Act has never been fully implemented, either in its spirit or in the letter of the law. Yeah. And the point that, you're, that you raise now, a little bit about liberty against obligation, it has to do with the pandemic. And one of the things that we're all wrestling with is the question of, do we wear masks or not? Um, I had my first experience yesterday on a plane where a gentleman came onto the plane without a mask. He was asked to put on a mask. 
He said, you know, my hands are full. I'll get to it. You know, the flight attendant was very clear. You know, it is a federal law. You, sh- you shall not take another step. You need to put your mask on right now. You know, he kind of groused. He put on his mask. But what it did, I will say, is it leveled up the intense, the tension uh, yeah. you know, of the whole uh, flight because everyone was worried. The attendants then were watching him constantly to make sure that he wasn't going to try and take his mask off. And, and so yeah. that's, that's kind of the, the crux of the moment. What is the obligation of an individual who knowingly is going to be taking an air flight where the federal law and guidelines are clear, you need to wear a mask or you're going to be off the plane. You know, is that the moment to try and make a personal and potentially a political statement? You know, that's a tough one, right? Because again, he's free to choose whether he takes a flight or not. If he needs to travel, he could always travel by other means. Again, his liberty, in fact, is not being restricted in that moment because there are other free choices for that individual to make. But now we talk about another circumstance, and that is the blind obedience to all of the rules as they're laid out, the lack of any discretionary judgment. I would also say that that's not an appropriate way for us to live as citizens. You know, we, yeah. we don't need to be lobotomized, right? We need to also be able to think about the context, that there are times where we do need to adhere, and then there's where there is more discretion and freedom to decide what the policy should be for an individual or a group uh, with mask wearing. You know, one of the things you said in there, your article, you said, respect others' concerns with empathy not hostility. And I think that what I've noticed, and again, this is in stark contrast. We just had our 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yeah. And what I remember more than anything else coming out of 9-11, and again, it's not, this isn't definitive. It was just my observation, is that people really had an empathy and a sympathy. You know, they were, we were deeply wounded as a nation, and people really started caring and being more kind to one another as we tried to heal after that terrible tragedy of 9-11. In contrast, perhaps it was the lockdown, the quarantine, again, being told what to do. You know, naturally, as part of our American spirit, I think that we feel the desire to be free. Uh, I think that it's innate within the American uh, psyche. So being told what to do, stay at home, don't go to work, wear a mask, stay social distance, use hygiene. There's going to be some resistance to that psychologically. But the issue is, again, time and place and, you know, I think that there's a lot of tension that's built up and people are lashing out. Yeah. And, and I have seen it. I do travel a lot myself. I mentioned yesterday's uh, my first time to see it on a plane, but I've seen it in the airports too. People are just a little tense. And so it's like they're not looking for a fight, but they're kind of looking for a fight. And I think right now we need to take a deep breath and remember how great we were after we had an external party attack our nation. We did rally together. Well, let's replace terrorism maybe with a virus. This isn't anyone's fault that this virus came into our lives, but let's view it as a hostile external force. Let's rally together. Let's find a way to build bridges, not barriers. And again, not go black and white. Let's understand the nuances of life and the fact that we we can be smart, but we also need to be safe. You also recently had a podcast, and I think you were also um, featured in Newsweek or Forbes on this one, with the subject of qualified immunity. And... You discussed it with the attorney, Melvin Hall. He's a great attorney. What is it? Why do you even want to talk about it? Civil rights attorney, one of the leaders uh, in the United States of America, and in fact is representing many of the interests and families from the Tulsa massacre, which had its 100th anniversary uh, recently, um, 
And Melvin is my mentor on this subject. It's one that is close to his heart, and it's one that is close to mine. The issue fundamentally deals with whether or not a police officer can be held accountable in the event that they use deadly force uh, with a citizen. And it's, it, this is not a criminal question, because right. clearly, on an ongoing basis, if in fact a, a prosecuting, a district attorney feel that they have evidence that excessive force and even lethal force was inappropriately used, they will pursue that means. This really deals with the civil claims that a family might make against a police officer when in fact their family member died at, at the hands of a police officer. And the question more than anything else is the lack of legislative leadership. Right. We do not have laws to really define this. We have what's known as common law. And as you know, as a lawyer, the decisions in courts have been now guiding whether or not an officer can be held accountable in a civil court uh, after deadly force is used. The concern is, is that the common law has made it so restrictive that what it said is that an, an identical circumstance to the one that occurred needs to take place in which the law officer was found guilty yeah. of using poor judgment or had intent to use excessive force when an alternative was available to them. And so this notion of intention, as you know, is difficult to get to under any circumstances. But the case law has made it so restrictive that it is nearly impossible to hold a police officer accountable uh, in any circumstance, even ones that maybe common sense and a, a, the common citizen would say, that doesn't seem right. That does not seem right. right. And then what that ends up happening in that particular case is that the person who's been victimized by the police officer then remains the victim of the second action. Yes. And that becomes very, very challenging to explain to the victim himself. No, there's no question. And what, what we're really saying, and, and again, I'm going to use uh, several <laughs> examples here, and I find it fascinating because we're very strong proponents of the Innocence Project, which looks to overturn wrongful convictions. But I want to be very clear. The Innocence Project says that in 100% of convictions that occur, especially those for felony, the murder, or, or rape, or aggravated assault, within those more egregious crimes, it's not that 50% of them are wrong. They're not even saying that 25% of them are wrong. They're saying that between 3 and 8% is the estimate that are wrongful convictions. So I want to make sure that we also recognize that we can reform any of these issues if we just take a moment to move aside from the partisanship and start talking about the problem and really, really discuss it in a meaningful way for what's best for society. We don't need yeah. to throw out the, the criminal system. We need to make it better because 3 to 8% of the citizens are being wrongly convicted. In the same way for qualified immunity, I want to be extremely clear. I am a personal advocate and, and a supporter of law enforcement, and no one is suggesting that it is 50% bad, 25% bad. But I even have talked to law enforcement officers who say, you know what, within any department, there might be a handful, dare I say, could it even be 3% that maybe they know are kind of marginal players that have made <laughs> yeah. bad decisions. And once one bad decision is made, what we find is that all the data suggests that a, a bad cop, if you will, makes bad decisions repeatedly. We see that when something finally comes to a criminal prosecution, that there is in fact a history of discipline, 
of poor judgment, of excessive use of force. So again, one bad apple can't ruin the whole bunch. But we don't want to turn a blind eye. And qualified immunity reform, where our United States legislature and working with all of the state legislatures, put in place clear guidelines that allow a fairness for a family of a victim uh, the, at the hands of, of law enforcement, at least have their day to be heard and for it to be adjudicated appropriately. You talked about on your, your uh, blogs that uh, something called dark patterns. Mm. And, you know, we recently had a guest on to talk about uh, cybersecurity issues. We've discussed it a few times here on the podcast. So I was happy to see you were bringing light to these issues. What are dark patterns on the web? So one of the things that I, that I also should say, Legal Shield is one of our uh, consumer products and services. The other one is ID Shield. So yeah. we are, in fact, advocates for privacy management, privacy protection, identity theft protection, et cetera. So dark patterns, in many ways, what we experience on the Internet, we may think, you know, oh, isn't it interesting that I just did a search over on Google for, uh, you know, a, a swimsuit. I'm going to go on a vacation. And then I go to Facebook, and then suddenly there are, are advertisements for swimsuits. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a miracle, right? right. Well, from that, from that uh, activity, now let's go further. There, dark patterns are algorithms that are created to try and take information about your behavior online and then to create patterns of behavior that they want to drive you towards either making decisions commercially and also making decisions politically. Uh, this is one of the problems with machine learning algorithms on the web is that they are looking to reinforce whatever inkling of interest you have shown on a product or a service. They're going to feed you as much of that as they can, hopeful then to get you to transact. That, right. That's part of the advertising complex. Equally with dark patterns, we have to be cautious because even if we have an, an, a, a general innocent curiosity on an issue, if we in fact touch on one bias element of, of that issue, we will be seeing more and more of that same point of view, not the other point of view, not a middle point of view. That's known as confirmation bias. When we touch upon something that might be a little left-leaning or a little right-leaning, then algorithms within these social platforms in particular, but it's not only there, it's also news platforms, they're going to just keep feeding you more and more and more. And that's one of the problems we've got in terms of the polarization of society beyond our elected officials. We're seeing that both the media as well as social platforms are driving us further and further apart as we only consume things that confirm maybe a little bias we have one way or the other. <sighs> yeah, it is an incredible problem. And I'm so glad you guys are out there on the forefront, you talking about these issues. You know, there's opinion out there uh, that legal services are too high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> I, they are. I don't honest. know how that came up, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's out there. And Legal Shield's trying to do something about that. What are you trying to do? So the easiest way to think about Legal Shield is that it is a community of members. Uh, and that it is pursuing a movement. We want to disrupt, not destroy, we want to disrupt the present practice of law, but also to the benefit of lawyers. If you look at the ABA or LexisNexis, studies come out and say that, again, I'm not talking about M&A or corporate law, but for the traditional lawyer that wants to do something right in their community, they're having a, a tough go. Right. You know, hanging a shingle and practicing law in your community the statistics say that only 40% of available hours are being billed. 
Well, when you have that little use of capacity, what does it mean for the hourly rate? It goes up. Right. And it continues to creep up and up at $250, $300, $350 an hour. Let's be honest, that's just a, something that most people can't even fathom affording because that's an hour. Now, a lawyer will talk to you for free on a first consultation, but almost always it leads to then, not a, this is my hourly rate, it's now that I understand your problem, I can help you for $2,000, $4,000, $5,000. And again, I'm, not, you know, I'm just saying that's a lot of money. Right. That's a lot of money for people. So it's one of the barriers for all citizens to feeling confident that they can, in fact, use a lawyer to be able to live equally under the law. You know, so many times we don't, we feel ashamed because of a circumstance. It could be family law. You know, no one likes to be divorced. Okay. No. Uh, it could be a, a child custody. It also could be that you got a speeding ticket. Let's be honest. When people get a speeding ticket, I would argue, you're guilty. Okay. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you, you could say that there may be entrapment, but again, I'll go back to the 97% of the time. So what do you feel? Shame. You know, yeah. you're, you, you did it. You know, you didn't want to hurt anyone, but you were speeding. So you feel shame. Shame is a barrier to engaging with a lawyer that we've got to overcome psychologically. Second, as we talked about, is the money. And, and I would say even third, the way that popular media the play in, in, in television and movies, you know, it tends to show lawyers as really smart, using their own language. It's kind of intimidating. If you don't mind my saying a lot of times older white men, you know, paneled all these books, paneled offices, it's intimidating. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's accessible. It doesn't feel like it's responsive. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's accountable and it doesn't feel like it's affordable. With Legal Shield, we want to address all four of those issues. We want to make sure that people know that the law is, in fact, with them when they've got a lawyer on their side, right? All law is adversarial. There are two sides. It could be that the state is making a claim, another human is making a claim, but it's adversarial. That's why you've got to have a lawyer on your side to be able to enter in and have a fighting chance that your voice is heard and that justice can be done. Legal Shield makes that available for $29.95 a month for an entire family for the head of household, a partner, for eligible dependents. This is something that you can put a law firm in the palm of your hand. And when you've got a question, choose the area of law, push the button, and you're going to get a call back from a lawyer within four business hours. Or you can make an appointment. Tomorrow, between 9 and 12, I'd like to hear from you. This changes the game. And it should start to, again, not immediately, but let people know that there's a different way to live, that they don't need to be stressed out, how do I find a lawyer I can trust? We've been doing this for 49 years. Next year will be our 50th golden anniversary. Yeah. The lawyers, like yourself, you understand what it is to have customer service as part of what you do, not just excellent practice of law. And being able to give that kind of advice and consultation, that type of support, it is society changing. And I can tell you that's why I'm personally involved in this business. Yeah, and I can, I can attest that Legal Shield vets their lawyers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I can say that you guys make sure that you are dealing with, that the Legal Shield members are dealing with a qualified lawyer who is vetted, who is ethical. Um, well, quite frankly, one so, thing, yeah. and I appreciate you saying it, every one of our members, each time they use our service, is asked to give feedback. You could call us the only Yelp for legal services that exist. Legal Shield gives that feedback overtly to the individual lawyer, to the law firm. And if it, in fact, is a six 
or below on a 10 point scale, mandatory training in the area of customer service that needs to be addressed is required. So yeah. there is an accountability that we hold our lawyers to. And quite frankly, no one's pushing back because one of the things you can attest to that you don't learn in law school is customer service. No, you right? don't that, learn it at all. It's, it's just not taught. So we try and fill in that gap and bring that high quality training curriculum to the 7,000 lawyers that we have practicing law at Legal Shield every day. And we take it very seriously. You know, one of the things that we're seeing in the law, and I want you to talk a little bit more about it, you briefly touched on it, is technology is beginning to drive factors in the law. Yes. And, you know, it started out simply as research. Research, you had research devices through technology that you didn't have to go to the books anymore. But Legal Shield is saying, we need to invest a little bit more into yes. this. What are you doing? Well, and again, my, my Colleen and I, my wife, uh, our son Jonathan is in his first year at law school. And the one thing that you know he has been amazed is uh, whether it's uh, uh, law info or uh, I think in, in LexisNexis, they, they, they have tools that he's like, my God, you can find any case on any subject. It's amazing. Uh, um, and, and so there's that element, as you say, for research. And then Machine learning has come into some contract review, contact uh, creation. But I want to be very clear. The technology that we employ is a technology to increase humanity. Right. Our job is to connect the citizen member with the lawyer because that's where the magic happens. That's where someone can express their concerns that a circumstance has occurred in their life or an opportunity. I want to be very clear. We empower as much as we protect. If somebody is thinking about starting a business, if somebody is wanting to get a mortgage, uh, wanting to get a new lease on an apartment, you know, being asked for a new job opportunity, having that contract reviewed. We all know what is right. You shouldn't sign something if you haven't had somebody look at it and talk to you about it who is an officer of the court, a lawyer, a bar certified yeah. lawyer. But oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. I'm feeling pressure. There's a deadline. But if you're able to use technology to photograph that document, push a button and send it to your law firm, your Legal Shield lawyer, and then to get a call back, they've reviewed it, they talk about this looks great, peace of mind. Hey, there are a couple of things that maybe don't look as good. Would you like for me to send a note or make a call on your behalf? My God, can you imagine the first time you hear that? A lawyer saying, would you like for me to make a call or write a letter on your behalf? Suddenly you feel... I mean, the sense of both relief, but also empowerment. It, it is, again, why we do what we do, because that's the way we're supposed to be living in this society. You know, we don't want authority to be imposed. We want the law to be equally shared by everyone. You know, the things you're talking about is why I joined the law. Um, a, I'm the son of a L.A. policeman, and my mom was a hairdresser. And so I didn't really come to the law, for, you know, like a lot of people and my friends do, or their parents were lawyers or something like that. It, this was new to me. And I needed a way to get through school, and I started my own business. And I got to tell you, it was like I was constantly flying blind. I knew how to do my business. It wasn't complicated. I washed windows. And I worked hard to make sure I had as many windows to wash as possible. But on the business end, on the taxes, on the the compliance issues, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was like whack-a-mole. And I really wish I could have just called up someone and said, hey, uh, what about X license? Do I need that? 
And, but there was no one to call because for me, a lawyer was inaccessible. Exactly. And I didn't really understand how to make a lawyer accessible. And so I just did the best I could. But it, it's what actually made me say, I want to be a lawyer because these laws are really complex. They're hard to understand. And if I could help people with this, that's what, that was the beginning of my analysis for becoming a lawyer. I want to take a break here for a second and talk about our sponsor, DocuPlayer. Folks, the entire purpose of this podcast is to make the law more understandable. We break it down. We sort it out. We get rid of the legalese. There's a product out there that helps lawyers do this for their clients. It's called DocuPlayer. And what it does, it is allows a lawyer to explain a document on a video. You could highlight the document. You could point specific things out to the client. You could explain the document as you go to the client. Clients love it. They understand the document better and they get to go through the document with the lawyer as many times as they want just by hitting rewind. If you're a lawyer, check out the product at DocuPlayer.com. If you're a client, insist upon using it. I want to tell a story, a lawyer story, about, and this is not unique to just one person. This is something I've seen time and time again in my practice. And it's frankly, it's heartbreaking. But, and then I want to get your response on this. And the story is husband, wife, child, spouse is in the hospital. Mm. And as they're in the hospital, they can't speak for themselves. They can't make decisions for themselves. They can't manage their business. They can't pay their bills. And they come to me and they say, Bob, what do I do? And now, it, that is a really difficult conversation because mm-hmm. the conversation involves, well, how long do we think they're going to be in the hospital? Do they, are they coming out tomorrow or the next day? Are they not coming back out? And that's a difficult conversation. But it's also a conversation that I wanted to have, say, a month previous. Yes. Legal Shield can has that conversation. What do you? What would your response to those people be? Well, this is this is really. Um, it's at the very heart of the challenge that we face. Um, I, I love classics. I was a history major, a Spanish major, but I, in my lifelong learning, I just have continued to enjoy reading Greek and, and Roman philosophers and, and history. Socrates talked about this challenge, and it's called Acracia, A-K-R-A-S-I-A. And very simply put, all of us know what the right thing is to do, and we still don't do it. Yeah. Now, Socrates, because he was you know, reasonable, it drove him insane <laughs> because he couldn't figure out why people with reason can't just do what they know is right to do. Psychology in the 20th century explored it and said, mm, because we always feel before we think. You know? yeah. But it is at the heart of the problem we have at Legal Shield. Everyone knows that they should have a last will and testament. Yep. And quite honestly, there may or may not be the same understanding of a durable power of attorney for healthcare and financial matters. Some people call it a medical directive. Some people call it a living will. But these are documents that need to be talked about in advance of when they're needed. 
You yeah. need to have your will done before you pass. You need to have guidance on if, in fact, I become incapacitated because of coronavirus, you know, because of any illness where I can't speak, uh, I'm, I am in a coma, you know, I'm, I'm not lucid. I need to have clarity around who do I designate to make decisions to make payments of my rent or my mortgage or other bills that are coming due or to help make decisions that are medical about my care on an ongoing basis. Those are difficult conversations. So one of the reasons we know we should do it, why don't we do it? Well, who wants to talk about my death, right? Yeah. But it is, in fact, what you need to do because when you die with any of those documents missing, then it's the state, it's the government deciding what to do and not the people that have been left behind grieving you. Now they're struggling to make sense out of, of the estate. What I would tell you about, to your earlier question, what Legal Shield tries to do is through a mobile app that's obviously available on iOS and on Google Play, you can download it for free. It starts off by request a consultation. And then it says, what would you like to receive information about, support about, help with? And we have 15 areas of law that one is other. But the other 14 are generally intuitive. It says, you know, I need to get a will done. I need a medical directive. I, you know, we did last year over a quarter of a million medical directives because of the coronavirus. Yeah. People were f afraid. They either knew someone that went into hospital because of this terrible pandemic, or they themselves were worried because they were an at-risk population. And we were able to do those. Now, how do you do that? Well, you, you start by talking to your lawyer. And then it's easy to fill out forms. Some of those can be done through the mobile app on the personal computer and getting that thing done. You don't want to wait until you're scared to do these things. We need to get on the front foot. And that's why we keep using technology to try and knock down those barriers, increase the trust, the confidence. And again, you don't have to set aside, I must find five hours to do this today. It can be done in phases. Yep. Five, 10 minute increments, you know, have a conversation, get a little done and just let it evolve over time, but before you know it, you finished a critical document in your life. Yeah, you're exactly right. And what I like about what you're doing is you're helping educate people so they can avoid a lot of legal pain. Oh. And it's something, you know, I work on cases where people who have failed to plan, people who have failed to plan or something crazy happens in their life, and then they come to me and they say, hey, Bob, solve it. Well, you guys solve it in your plan, and you don't charge extra for that. That's right. That is included in the plan. And I, I always bring this up whenever I can because I want people to have. No question. That, yeah, the membership is very, very powerful. Again, everything is included. But I will say that there are certain things that we ask people to contribute at a discounted hourly rate that we publish online. Now, you may say, oh, my goodness, there's trickery due there. No, I'll give you an example. If you get a speeding ticket, we're going to defend you. Right. If you are charged with a DUI, we ask for you to contribute because we can't encourage people to drink and drive. Does that make sense? That makes Equally, sense. we defend, we have trial defense that is profoundly powerful if you are sued or underdressed. But if you're going to sue someone, then that's something you're going to have to contribute to because, again, we're not here to say join Legal Shield and start suing everyone, right? I mean, right. it has to be bona fide and you have to have some skin in that game. But there is a, a way to protect and empower you. And 85% of the work that we do is covered by that monthly membership fee. You know, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about is a story about uh, a Legal Shield member. And it's tragic, but it's also illustrative of what you guys are doing out there. So, 
what happened was she wanted a will. The decedent wanted a will. And she went through the process. And she did exactly what you said. She didn't just do it all at once. She didn't take five hours. She had a five-minute conversation and began the process. Received some paperwork. That paperwork guided her through how she wanted her estate. She turned in her paperwork. The the paperwork was then stored, and it was uh, reviewed and turned into a will and power of attorneys and living will and all these things. And then that was emailed out to her, and then they had a conversation afterwards, and they discussed it, and they, they made sure she understood it. And then she was given instructions how to sign and given an opportunity to have a signing appointment or do it on her own. And... She chose to do it on her own, and she took it and had it notarized and all witnessed and everything. And then she tragically died. Mm. And she had a really cantankerous relationship with her family who then challenged the will. Interesting. And they said she could not have done this. She would have wanted me to have it was the basic argument. It's a, that's a very common thing. Very common. Now, when I was charged with the responsibility of defending that will, I went through and I looked at all these legal shield notes, this well-documented path, this very extra- this extraordinary uh, deliberation of, of uh, intelligent, affirmative acts. It was her testament. Do. Right. That's the, the reason we use that word. You can't do that online. No. No, in fact, I want to go further. The, word that, the most beautiful phrase you said is, you defended that document. Right. One of the reasons why do-it-yourself, fill out a legal form online, doesn't hold water. And quite frankly, almost no one's really advocating that anymore. LegalZoom doesn't really do that. They're in the business of starting businesses. Rocket Lawyer strongly encourages you. If you fill out a form, you're not bar certified lawyer. You're not a, an officer of the court. If that document is challenged, you have to do it yourself. And all due respects, that ain't going to go well. No, okay? it's not. It's not going to go well. No. And so nobody even wants to make that possible. But what you said was when a document is done with a lawyer, then there's going to be a defense of that document. And that is the critical distinction, absolutely critical. What is the most common thing that people use in the Legal Shield plan? Well, Bob, let me ask you a question. Yeah. In your entire life, have you ever said, I want to talk to your supervisor? <laughs> Maybe. I might. I'll tell you something. Yeah, okay. 100% of the people I ask that question to say, they laugh and they say, yeah. Now, listen, we don't all have to be Karens right. okay, to feel like people have not treated us fairly. Right. And there's times, whether we're trying to get a warranty done, trying to get information, an insurance claim, we have you know, a product problem, a service problem, something hasn't gone right in our life. We don't feel like we're being treated well. It, it can be in a hospitality setting. We've all said it. That's why Legal Shield exists. And honestly, the number one reason consistently over time that people use our services, they say they've been mistreated. They've been mistreated yeah. as a consumer. They've been misbilled. And this is where, again, we have lawyers that are experts in this realm. And I will tell you that, giving my own personal story, my wife, my, my love, Colleen, just happened to pay Volkswagen credit too many times for a lease that we had. Yeah. And it came time to turn in the vehicle, and we had a balance due us rather than the other way. And I pointed it out, documented it, I wrote it, Jeff Bell sent it off. Nothing. Not a, not a <laughs> thing. Right. I sent a follow-up. I sent a follow-up. Nothing. I then contacted through my Legal Shield app. I have a concern. 
spoke with a lawyer at Lombino Martino in the great state of Washington. They said, well, send us the letter that, that you wrote, okay? So I did because it was documented. It had, you know, attachments and all kinds of good stuff, right? I mean, we had all the information. And they were like, wow, this is a really great letter. We're going to make two citations of Washington state law, and then we're going to send it on our letterhead. Uh-huh. <laughs> three days after it was, re- was re- received, certified return receipt, okay, after it was three days after we got the check. All right. I want to tell you one more story. Okay, Not please. Okay. Um, there was this older gentleman, and he was being pursued for a bad debt. Mm. He, and he was being defended under the trial defense, the trial defense uh, portion of the plan. The benefit, yes. The benefit. And so, and this was a bad actor mm. in the industry. And I take a look at this, and I look at the facts, and I say, well, he doesn't owe the debt. Right. And so I write a letter to the the uh, creditor, and I say, he doesn't owe you the money. Withdraw your action. Then they no response. I file an answer, and everything in my answer points to the fact that he didn't owe the money. Withdraw your answer. They, of course, they don't. So then I send out discovery requests uh, to, to let them know that they don't have a case. Right. And then I move for summary judgment, and... They have to. They they have like a couple more days to respond. They wake up finally and give me a call and they say, "I need to dismiss this case." And that was the moment when I was like, "All right, we did." Now, look. Who has time to do that on their own? No one has time to do that on your own. No. Number one. Number two. He couldn't have figured out how to do it. Right. And number three. If he had to pay a lawyer, it would have exceeded the seven thousand bucks. Exactly. He owed and. That was that's the magic of legal shield. All all, all due respects, that's the power and the magic of of legal shield. There's no question. Look, I read a book earlier this year called uh, "Deaths of Despair," and it really focused upon, uh, especially white men who were not college educated in society, that they feel completely lost in this world, and they're they're dejected. And opioid addiction, alcoholism, and suicide highest rates of, of increasing death among white men. I've also read The Sum of Us and just finished How to Be an Anti-Racist. And, and I'm telling you that in, in these books, it talks about the incredible burden that people of color face in our society and that we've got to own it and make it better. Again, it's not about guilt and it's not about blame. It's about how do we rise up. All I'm telling you is that I've been reading books this year where it doesn't matter what race, creed, color, sex, or age you are, we have an opportunity to be better than we are right now. And Legal Shield wants to be part of that solution to try and make things better for society. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.